Acts chapter 2 and we're going to read verse 22 to 39. It was uh, part of the what happened there on Pentecost Day when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the people and then uh, uh, Peter uh, preached to the people the word of God and explained to them what happened, what was happening on that day. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an, on, on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact exalted at, to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter at the, and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. All, for, for all whom God, uh, the Lord our God will call. This is what we will read today. And may the Lord help us to understand his word. To his name be glory and honor. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, there were numerous times as a child 
when we were called being out mischievous and dangerously disobedient. In some cases, after all the warnings we had received before that, uh, all our our excuses would not help because Dad wouldn't listen. The more you try to defend yourself, the more it added to what was called back chat. And uh, that was even in itself a very sinful thing. In other times, Dad would invite us to defend ourselves, but without fail, it wouldn't help. And with helpless pity, you would admit, I'm sorry. But the big question, what, what now? What then? I remember my dad as a very righteous man and uh, faithful to his promises. And if he promised you, you're going to get it. Even if you said it was, I'm sorry, you're going to get it in any case. So in the bathroom behind the door was the, can, can I say this now? Is it politically correct these days to refer to the strap? Mm-hmm. And for some good reason, this instrument of discipline was named psychology. For dad to use psychology was not to have a smart talk with us. Psychology meant you're going to get it. Today I can look back at the value of it all. And today I look back at the times that I as a parent had to do the same thing. And this makes me think of what the Israelites were, were, were listening to uh, as they listened to the sermon of Peter that day. And I will, uh, I'll try to get there again for a moment. Let's just go into this chapter and then we'll come back to this. What was the charge against Israel? Israel was God's chosen people privileged in any way. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. He said they had all these things, all these privileges. God was with them in a very special way. But what did they do? They did not listen to, the, to God. And they murdered the prophets. And eventually they killed the Son of God. And the Apostle Peter on that day of Pentecost addressed the Israelites and said, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you. By miracles, wonders and signs, you see, another privilege that they had, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. And then this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. 
You had all these wonderful privileges. You had the Son of God in your midst. What did you do? With the help of wicked men, and some commentators think that the, the word wicked men there can also mean unbelievers, which means then the Romans. You and them together put him to death. Who was Jesus? Or who is Jesus? First of all, he points out to them, Jesus the man. If you read through that paragraph, you see how he actually emphasizes the man, this man. You, he said, nailed Jesus to the cross. Peter begins his sermon with the title of Jesus of Nazareth. He wanted his listeners to know who this Jesus was. He grew up in Nazareth as the son of Mary and Joseph. He started his ministry in Galilee. Before that, he was there in the carpenter's shop. His name was Jesus. But then he started his ministry there in Galilee, and he was not appreciated there. And for a short and a brief time, he went down maybe for the feasts to, uh, to Jerusalem, and he went back, and he did 80% of his ministry he performed in Galilee. He was accredited to you by God through miracles and wonders and signs. You, you know of the widow's son that he raised from the dead? You know of, of the water and wine? You know of all these things? Now, this is the man that you saw before you. Who was this Jesus? He was the king. Peter went on to refer to the words of David, the greatest of all kings in the history of Israel. How remarkable David was. He died and was buried. If you want to know anything about David, well, you could go and read a lot of that in the Bible and the Old Testament. But if you want to know more about him, you just go to his gravesite. He's dead. He's, he's, that's where he was buried. David is not with us anymore. His body saw decay and the only thing remaining about him was his memories and his grave. And yet David prophesied about someone who would be more than him. Someone whose body would, who would not see decay and who would be king forever and, and have dominions over all kingdoms of the world. And now Peter then turned to Psalm 16, the psalm that we read this morning, and showed how David realized that he could not be that king. He pointed forward to the everlasting king of all kings. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave. Which means that David will die but there would be someone who would come to make David alive again. Another king. Someone he would refer to then as the Holy One. Boldly and with confidence, the Apostle Peter now, know with, uh, the, with the, now with the equipment given to him by Christ himself. I find that absolutely interesting. Go and read Luke chapter 24, where Jesus appeared to the disciples on their way 
uh, first of all to the two people from Emmaus, and then they went back and they told them everyone everything had happened, and then Jesus was in their midst. And what did Jesus teach them? Go and read that again. What did Jesus teach them? He took them through the Bible, and he taught them from Moses to the prophets, to the Psalms, everything about him. And now Peter was there, and he stood in front of this crowd of people, and he said, this is what happened there. Jesus himself taught it to him. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter declared that Jesus was the fulfillment of all those prophecies. David died, he said, but they don't have their body anymore, his body anymore. If David was so sure that he would not be abandoned to the grave, and he's still dead, then he must have spoken about someone else. And now Peter proclaimed to them that this person David prophesied about was the Jesus of Nazareth. He takes it a bit further. Jesus, Nazareth, the man. Who was he? He was in the line of David. So if he was in the line of David, what was he? He was the king. Why? He, David, was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. That is what David says, and that's how Peter saw it. And that's how the Bible was fulfilled, and how the prophecies was, were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. Why? Look for Jesus. Where will you find him? In a grave? No. Why? The grave's open. He's resurrected. So he is the man, but he is the king. But he goes a bit further than that, and he says he is the Christ. And that would make every ear of Israelites just listen very carefully, because they were expecting the Christ. In verse 31, Peter introduces another title of Jesus. He is the Messiah, the Christ. It's the same word, different languages. One Greek, the other one Hebrew. Seeing what was ahead, he, David, spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Christ the Messiah was the anointed king. Like David himself was anointed as the man after God's own heart and that he led the people of the Lord. So David had Solomon anointed and so was Christ anointed. He was the anointed one, the appointed one, the one that God put his hand on. That was David. But then Christ was that anointed one. More than that, when a prophet was called, a prophet was anointed. And now Jesus has come as the Messiah as the anointed one, and he fulfilled also the role and the, the office of prophet there. More than that, when the priests were installed in their office, what happened to the priests? They were anointed too. And Christ came, and he fulfilled 
that office too. He was king. He was prophet. He was priest. And after Christ, therefore, we don't need kings and prophets and priests in that sense of the word. Because in Christ's ministry, in his person, it is all fulfilled. Something else remarkable happened. When uh, they built the tabernacle and they started to use all the things there for the first time, what do they do to the altar? The altar was anointed. And all the utensils were anointed. That means it's set apart for God's service for that specific task. So that the people would know God is in their midst. God is with them and he wants them and their sins to be forgiven. And Jesus now is the sacrifice. He is the priest. He is the king. He is the altar. He is everything. He is the Christ. So you and I don't come to church and we have holy things. Am I saying something that you Presbyterians might be shocked at? We don't have holy things. We have a communion table. The communion table is not holy. The pulpit is not holy. What is the pulpit? The pulpit's a place where someone who preaches stand high enough so that everyone can see and hear him. We don't have holy objects. Because what is the center of what we are doing here? Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that brings us in contact with God so that our sins may be forgiven and so that we may live in a, in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is God's Messiah. I think the people of, of that day when they heard the message about the Christ understood. They understood that what was said about Jesus in a chapter of, let's say, Isaiah 11, where it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From him, his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But his righteousness will, but with righteousness he will judge the needy and with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with, his, with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him 
and his place of rest will be glorious. And on that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord has become my salvation. This, Peter said, is what you see happening now. God has sent the Spirit. The prophecies are being fulfilled before your very eyes, yet you are spiritually blind and cannot see the wonders of God and see the power and the majesty of the Son. But not Jesus was not only king, he was eternal king. The apostle went this a bit, for, a bit further, and he quote, quoted from Psalm 110, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of, my feet, of your feet. The Lord then, God, said to my Lord, not David, but the Lord Jesus, that he would be born in the fullness of time, and that he would sit at the right hand until he make your enemies the footstool of your feet. We hear the same language from the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13 to 16. He is dressed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule with them, rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress on the fury and the wrath of the God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is this Jesus that has risen from the grave. This is the climax to, this, to the sermon that day. Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, the carpenter's son of Nazareth, who is more than David... He is the Christ, and He is the eternal King. And He summed it up and all uh, summed it all up in these words. Therefore, let Israel be assured of this: God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, there's a theology built into this verse that you can keep yourself busy with, with, with for long many, many years. But we go back to Israel the privileged, and we are back in the bathroom with the strap. We try to argue ourselves out of the problem, but nothing helps. We lost the argument, and with fear and tremble, we plead then, what must I do? You see what happened is through the Spirit of God and the message of, the, of, 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 of Peter there, the, the hearts of people were struck. They realized this. They realized this. They were responsible for the death of the king of the world. They expected the Messiah so long and yet when he did come they killed him. 
And they might say, boy, oh boy, we, we blew it. There is no hope for us left. We almost had it. But by ignorance and hardness of heart, we missed the only opportunity to be saved. We crucified the king. But that's not the only truth of the sermon that Peter had that day. He proclaimed the risen Christ. You see, that makes the difference. If they only crucified the king and he was dead and buried and all these, they'd be in trouble. Because that's what they did to all the other prophets and all the other them. <laughs> but the message is this. God raised him from the dead. And listen to the glorious words of, these, of this verse. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus, whom you crucified is alive. Yes, because he is Christ and King, he is also Lord, just like the Father is called Lord. So he should be worshipped as Lord. Or should we say, because he is Lord, he is also Christ and Jesus. God exalted him to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he has poured out what you see and hear. Christ is alive. And because he, we were responsible for his death and the punishment on the cross, we are definitely now, if I look at God and he sent me his son and what I've done with his son is I just killed him. I'm in trouble. The risen king of all kings might just come to punish me for my unbelief and disobedience. So they went to Peter and the other apostles and they said, What shall we do? We understand your words, Peter. If he's alive and he's risen, we're in trouble. Because he might come and take revenge. But my dear friends, the gospel is so different. I'm not standing in the bathroom to receive what is actually my, right, my rightful punishment. Because there, someone else took my punishment upon him. And it's far more than just being mischievous. or It is, it is to sin before God, to receive, to, 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 uh, to actually receive God's punishment and his eternal condemnation. What did Peter say? I've got good news for you. God planned all of this 
you think that you killed Jesus? Well, you did. You have to take the responsibility for that. But point is, it was all part of God's plan of salvation. That's all part of God's plan of salvation. Everything that happened to Christ was by the foreknowledge of God. It was God's plan to save his people. It was to make us free from the judgment of God because of our sins. And how does that happen? <coughs> now we understand the hope, the message of hope. We've heard about God raising his son Jesus Christ from the dead. What happens? He says, when they ask him, what shall we do then? Shall we run away from God? What can we do? He says, no, repent and be baptized. Repent. Each one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven. That's the issue. <clears throat> it's not to run away from God. The best way, as someone said, the best way to run away from God is to run to Him. And today, we might ask ourselves, what happened there? Was, yes, I was, I was in that crowd that cried out, crucify Him. I was the one who, who probably would have taken the hammer and the nails and I was there too I'm responsible the good news is God raised him from the dead and because he's a living savior he does not want to punish you he wants to save you Repent. And those of you who are not baptized, well, that is the thing. The Bible says, receive the baptism. In the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And then, God will give you this gift of his spirit. To then testify in your heart that you are a child of God. That's the gospel. May the Lord help us this morning so that if there is something in our heart, in your heart, that you think you're not right with God, repent of it. Make it right with God in Jesus Christ. And then worship him as Lord, as Savior, as God, as Jesus, as Christ. And walk out from he, a new man, a new woman. And live a life that will bring glory to his name. Amen. Father, we thank you that the Christ is the king far greater than David but we also thank you Lord that he is the man who came to live on the face of the earth yet without sin so that he would be the perfect mediator between us and you he knew them the misery of sin 
so he knows about that feeling of lostness in our hearts. But he invites us to come to him, to repent of our sins, to be forgiven and to be given the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, and help everyone here today to take that step in faith and then to go free because of the risen Lord. Amen.